Now I invite us to turn to our text of preaching, which is Hebrews and chapter 12. Hebrews and chapter 12. This one to three. Hebrews chapter 12, this one to three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the rest marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him when you had such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the rest marked out for us. Shall we pray together? Father in heaven, we again come before your throne of mercy. We come, our God in heaven, to acknowledge that unless you guide, unless you give strength, unless you give grace, we will lamentably fail. In fact, it's impossible to make any strides forward without your help. We continue to pray, our Father, that you'd be gracious. Oh, be compassionate among us. Be moved mightily. Bring to an end the COVID-19 situation. We pray for those that are not well. Commend them to you. Gracious Lord, undertake for them. Be pleased, O oh our Father, to minister to them, to reach out to them in mercy and in grace. Pray for our brother Amos, lost a wife and was put to rest yesterday. We ask that you continue to strengthen him and be with him. Thank you for the saints that did go to the funeral house, that did attend the burial. We do pray that you continue to encourage our brother. Many have been bereaved. We do ask our God you strengthen them. Oh God, we plead that your grace will be sufficient. We ask now, our fathers, we come to the preaching of your word. Open our ears to listen to the preaching of your word. Grant us ability to apply your word in our lives and to our situations. Grant grace, O Holy One, to me as I bring forth your word. May I do so faithfully. May I do so with great conviction that it is the word of God being declared. Grant, therefore, no human element, a father will be employed to manipulate, to entice, 
simply open up your word to grant that I'll be a faithful messenger. Accomplish the purpose for which you send your word. Save and call to holiness. Encourage and our Father, spare us on on this journey. Be pleased to do this for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to that text this morning, a question to all of us. Are you running by faith? The rest marked out for you. Are you running by faith? The rest marked out for you. One individual has testified who was terrible at running whatever the rest was, whether it was 100 meters, whether it was 400 meters, whatever it was, whether it was a marathon. And he was in school, and the teacher or the instructor, the coach, would always say to him, you can do it. The encouragement he got was that you can do it because these, your friends, are doing it. When they were on the field, on the race track, he would come probably second last, and the coach would still say to him, don't give up, continue, focus on the finishing line. Just do this. And if you're discouraged, look at the rest who have done it. But you will also be told, do it for the sake of your health. Just imagine how much physical health you will derive from running this rest. But you would also be told, focus on the prize. Just the upload and the encouragement, the excitement and the joy of finishing and not failing to run the rest. Well, as we consider our passage today, that's exactly what God is doing through the author to the Hebrews in encouraging us to run by faith the rest marked out for each one of us. It's in that context I'm asking you the question, are you running by faith the rest marked out for you? This morning we pick up the letter series from the book of Hebrews. Some of you remember that last year we had begun this series. And we had a break as we entered the season of Christmas. And obviously the new year. And we picked up in the course of this year. And the COVID-19 caused us to shift gears. But we return to that series in the remaining uh, four or five weeks to come. We have so far considered the later statements in chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 11, chapter 4, verse 14, and we considered chapter 4, verse 14, together with chapter 10, verse 23, consider chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, together with chapter 10, 19 to 22, consider chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, considered chapter 6, verse 16, and we lastly considered chapter 10, verse 24. 
Today, we will consider Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the rest marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We will notice that the author in this chapter is pressing the believers to continuously exercise faith and endurance in the midst of different afflictions and evils. They are living at a time that was difficult. They were being persecuted. They were going through all kinds of hardships. And the author is pressing the believers to continuously exercise faith and endurance in the midst of different afflictions and evils. The author is calling the sense a practical response to the examples he has given of Old Testament sense in chapter 11. As you go back to chapter 11, it's a whole list of Old Testament generally referred to as heroes of faith and is, as it were, giving these saints as examples for the recipients of the letter to emulate and be encouraged by. So the author is calling the sense a practical response to the examples he has given of Old Testament sense in chapter 11. What we have in Hebrews 12 is an exhortation to follow the witnesses of faith just listed in the chapter that came before. With the Old Testament sense, as an example, and Christ as the supreme example, the author challenges the recipients of the letter both negatively, lay aside, or throw off, or get rid of, but also positively run the rest. Listen to the reading of verse 1, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us negatively throw off everything that hinders. Implication, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Positively, and let us run with perseverance. The rest marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. With the Old Testament sense as an example and Christ as the supreme example, the author challenges the recipients of the letter both negatively and positively. What we have in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 is a call to constancy or steadfastness in the Christian profession. It is an exhortation to steadfastness in the Christian life. It is a pressing appeal for making personal holiness a supreme business. That's what the author is doing in these verses. Therefore, 
with that explanation, spurred on by past examples of chapter 11 and focusing on Jesus as author and perfecter of faith, every Christian must run the race marked out for him or her. Spurred on, prodded on, encouraged by the examples of chapter 11 and focusing on Jesus as author and perfecter of faith, you as a Christian, male and female, boy or girl, you must run the race marked out for you as a careful observation of the affirmations in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3, we will clearly show. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3 is affirming that you must run the race marked out for you. What are these affirmations? I have seven of them, and obviously we will not deal with all of them. We will see how much time we have to deal with how many we may in the time before us. Spared on by past examples of chapter 11, focusing on Jesus as author and perfecter of faith, every Christian must run the rest marked out for him or her as a careful observation of the affirmations of Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, we will clearly show. In the first affirmation we meet in this text is this, simply that there is a race to be run. There is a race to be run. You have a race I have a race to run. It's unavoidable if you are a Christian. There is a race for you to run. Listen to what the author tells us in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the rest marked out for us. What he is affirming is that there is a rest. There is a journey to be taken. There is a distance to be covered. There is a marked out marathon that you and I are to run. There is a relay. There is a rest. How long, for how much time, when and where, we may not precisely point out, but we do know that if you're living here in Indola, Kitwe, wherever you are, you have a rest. To run. Let us run the race marked out 
for us. There is a Christian life to be lived, pictured here as a race. Now, in this world, if we are to put it in the context of a race, you're basically running two races. You're either running the race of the evil one or you're running the race marked out by your God. And both have their destinies. They end up in hell or in glory land. End up with eternal judgment of gnashing your teeth or in eternal glory and bliss of heaven rejoicing with the presence of God. There is a race. That's the reason I am asking the question. Are you running by faith the race marked out for you? You cannot say you don't have one. As long as you are saved, all of us, no one is excluded. To a Christian or an immature Christian, young in terms of age Christian or old in terms of age Christian, in the office or not, known or not, withdrawn or public Christian, you have a rest to run. The Christian life is pictured here as a rest, deliberately. We read the Apostle Paul's writing to Timothy that in other settings he pictures the Christian life as a fight. Elsewhere as a wrestling match. Here he pictures it as a rest. And he does so because it demands endurance. It demands stamina. And it demands exercise. If you like me. And you've assumed. That because you played football before. Or you played netball before. You played volleyball before, or that you took a walk for five kilometers before, and you think you can walk one kilometer or even 500, you're in for a rude shock. If you've not been exercising, even riding a bicycle for five minutes, will be exhausting for you. Let alone running, let alone running. If you're going to run, and that's the language of the text, let us run, let us run, and if it's running, it's going to demand endurance. I indicated that this is probably not a hundred meters rest. This is a long, long sustained running. Somebody had referred to this as a marathon. You need endurance and we'll say a little more or perseverance. And he tells us this. And let us run with perseverance the rest marked out for us. It demands perseverance. Demands stamina. Demands exercise. If you're going to run this race, you're required by implication to endure the hardships that will come with this race. You're required to overcome obstacles that will come with this race. You might, you will have hurdles along the way. 
You may even have people jeer at you. You may have people discourage you. This rest demands you persevere. This rest demands that you persevere. This rest demands stamina. Remember when a young boy, I think I had not even started school yet, had gone to Kalewa Barracks and the soldiers were running and the, those that were watching them, they were looking out for those who were getting tired and all they said, Alezi lauyo. Be kicked out of the rest. Demand stamina. But if you're going to have sustained stamina, you must exercise. You must exercise. It is more of a marathon, not a brief burst of energy, 400 meters sprint. It requires a sustained, continuous exertion and burning of calories. Being a rest. And for it to be a rest to you like every rest, this rest must be run. You cannot say this is my rest, but you're not running it. You're simply a spectator, and it's not your rest. The implication and the explicit statement of the text is this. If it's your rest, run it. Listen to the text. And let us run with perseverance the rest marked out for us. This is really your rest. The text assumes, expects, demands that you run it. Get on the business of accomplishing your task. That if you're not clear what your rest is, be clear that you come to your Savior and inquire of what it is. You might be running someone else's rest. Please do run your rest. The arena or the stadium in which we run this rest is the world. The prize for which we aim, the goal, the finish line is heaven, glory land. And notice that it's a motion forward, a pressing towards the mark. It has a finishing line. Even those who do exercises in the morning, they have a target. They have a destination. They will start off from Petauke and they will end up on Kwacha Road. And if they fail to reach Kwacha Road, they will have failed. This rest is a motion forward. And notice therefore what is implied in the text. The Christian journey, the Christian rest, has this forward marching plan. We are meant to be going forward, not backwards. Yes, we will backslide. We must pick up and go forward. We don't run in reverse normally. You will notice that you want to run in reverse. You can only run so far and at so much a pace you trip over because you're not designed to run in reverse. But notice what is interesting about this text. 
it tells us with what attitude to run. We we told with what attitude to run, but we're not necessarily told the environment in which to run. We're not necessarily told the circumstances under which we will run. The text by implication is saying this, come rain, come sunshine, winter or summer, snow or no snow, you have no excuse, run the rest. COVID or no COVID, you must run your rest. We have a Christianity that is looking for any possible excuse. Any possible excuse. And some of them lame excuses to simply avoiding running the rest. Well, let me put it this way. You're a Christian? Good. What has COVID-19 made you stop doing unjustifiably? What has COVID-19 sometimes because of the overwhelming paralyzing fear You've stopped. You've stopped running your rest. The text doesn't say that. It implies, whatever the circumstances, run your rest. So I ask, beloved, are you running your rest even in the context of COVID-19? Or has COVID-19 has been an excuse not to do what God has assigned you? Look at the text and let us run with perseverance. Let us run with perseverance. It assumes, as we'll see in details later, there will be challenges to running this race. There will be difficulties. There will be weights. Sometimes even seen the injunction, the exhortation, the practical implication of the examples we've seen so far run with perseverance. Run with perseverance. The first affirmation, as far as the text is confirmed, is simply this. There is a rest to be run. There is a song we sing, and you may want to sing it in your own time. There is a work for Jesus. Only you can do. In the language of the text, there is a rest that is marked out for you by God, which you and you alone can run. There is a service that is yours, not someone else. The text is affirming the fact that there is. There is a rest for you. Secondly, the text affirms that this race has been run by saints of old and they won. There is a race for us, but the author is saying we're not the only ones who have had this race given to us and are expected to run it. There are others who have been given this race and they've run it. 
Chapter 11, verse 22, just randomly picking up. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. 23, by faith, Moses' parents. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 29 of chapter 11, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. Verse 36 of chapter 11, some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. They ran the rest. They won. This rest has been run by sense of old, and they won. We are not the first to run this rest. Or to live the Christian life. Listen to the text. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Implication. Let us run the rest just like they did. And won. It has been lived by others before us victoriously began by saying there was a pupil or student who was being encouraged by the coach. You can do it. Look at the others. That's what the author is doing here. There are others who've gone before us. They've run this race and they've won. Having in chapter 11 given many instances of faith lived out, here he uses these examples to call the saints to a life of faith. Therefore, because of what I've said, the examples I've given you are examples of men and women, nobles and subjects, public figures, private ones, who lived a life of faith, they won. Like saying to a university student, you will clear. Others have cleared before. Like saying to a grade nine pupil, study hard. You will pass with flying colors. Others have. Saying to a grade 12 pupil, just work hard. You can get six points because those others have. 
and get 11. It's Christine. If you like some of us, you don't like little things, you can get 49. Others half. The thrust of this passage in connection to chapter 11 is this, beloved. But if we fail to run this race, it's not because we don't have enough examples. It's not because we don't have enough examples, and the chief example, as we shall see later, is verse 3, consider Christ, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Christ. We have enough examples. We are not the first. Let me put it this way. Whatever you're going through in your Christian life, whatever you're going through on this journey, whatever you're going through regarding this rest, somebody has already been there. And somebody has been there and they've won. No temptation. No temptation will come upon you that others have not been tempted by. Every temptation is common to man. Listen to the text again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people that will give evidence, we've been there and we've made it because we look to Christ. So can you. Having in chapter 11 given many instances of faith lived out, he here uses these examples to call the saints to a life of faith. As you read chapter 11, you will notice, beloved, that what you have in chapter 11 are not plain selling experiences of the saints. They are difficult situations. Difficult situations. And the whole context is a context of hardship. It's a context of persecution. It's a context of misfortune. It's a context of suffering. It's a context of infirmities and all kinds of hardships of life. It is these examples he's saying to us. Others have been there. So can you. They run with a certain attitude. They run in looking out to Christ. If that's what you do, emulate them. In other words, let me put it this way. That it's no profit at all reading the Old Testament Christians or narratives and not emulate them in the positive examples and avoiding their pitfalls. Be spurred on by the fact that we have examples. Those who've run the rest before are not few, but a great dense cloud, multitudes. Look at the text. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it's not few who won. If you go to watch a football, a football game, only 22 guys are on the field. Few. You may have a stadium of a capacity of 60,000. Only 22 will be on the field. So that to give an example to the 60,000, you can play football just like these. 
No, you can say these are the select few. But our text says, great cloud. It's a mass group that have won. Those who've run the rest before are not few. A great cloud, a dense cloud, multitudes have gone before. Even regarding our current pandemic, we are not the first. And it is not the first experience of a pandemic. History, just, just read history, indicated previously that there was a pandemic in which about 50 million people died. And among those, some were Christians. And we can rightly and biblically say, majority of those won. Will you fail? Will you backslide? Will you become laxed in your service for God because of COVID-19? Will you become indifferent to the means of grace? Appreciation of what God has given us? Others have experienced pandemics before. There have been pandemics. There will probably be more. DRC had a Ebola issue. Lord spared us that, and among those who are affected are Christians. We've had cholera before. Christians were affected. We've had polio before. Christians were affected. They won. So I'd like to ask again, are you running the rest marked out for you. There is a race, but this race has been run by others before. Among those who suffered the evil of the pandemics were Christians, and encouragingly, many overcame. They came out victorious by faith in Christ, and with faith like that of Christ. Listen to the closing chapter, the closing verses of chapter 11. Just imagine for a moment, if you had lived at this time, whether you'd have actually made it. Whether you'd have actually made it. Chapter 11, verse 32. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sold in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. 
this group and many more ran this race and won. I don't think any single one of us can say, all these experiences combined are true about me. Surely, won't you run the rest? The thrust of our text is that just as those who have preceded us reach the goal by faith and endured, so must we. The sense of this verse is that since these haughty heroes of faith ran the race of faith with endurance and won, let us also, therefore, as they did, run our appointed race with endurance and patience. If, as A. W. Pink, quoting A. Suffer, puts it, all God's sense of old lived, endured, and conquered by faith, shall we not also if the saints who lived before the incarnation, the birth of Christ, before redemption was accomplished, before the high priest entered the heavenly sanctuary, trusted in the midst of discouragements and trials, how much more ought we who know the name of Jesus, who have received the beginning, the installment of the great messianic promise? How much more? This rest has been run before. Let us look to those who ran this race. Let us learn from them how they won. Let us look to Christ, we will win. But notice the text. It's assuming that you belong to the same group as the Old Testament saints, that you saved, that you belong to God, you belong to Christ, and therefore if you are, there is a rest. You do not have one if you're not saved. And of all people, you're running your race in vain. There is a race. We're not the first to run it. I do not know the specific details of your situation, but I do know this one fact. You can run that race because the one who marked it out for you does know you can. will provide grace for you to run it but has also given us plenty of examples to learn from to run that race. Every Christian must run their race by faith. Are you running your race by faith? May the Lord grant that we will run the race marked out for us by faith. As we come to our closing hymn, May I encourage you, I encourage you to run your race. Please do run your race. There's no reason to fail with Christ on your side. Will you? May God grant that you will. Let's pray together. Grateful, our Father, that you always marked out this race for us. We also give grace for us to run this race. Help us to run the race. We know there are many, many discouragements and temptations, as we'll see later, weights and sins which entangle us, stop us from running effectively. We do pray. Our God, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
may we please be helped to rise. Commend our brothers and sisters going through difficult times. Give them grace. Give us grace during this COVID-19. We live in a corrupt world. Give us grace to live, to run this race in this corrupt world. Be pleased to do it for the sake of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.